good investment is one where you give your money, your resources, and it grows. It doesn't continually take more and more money out of uh, your pocket. Uh, and then you can compare the rate of growth to other options that you have available to you. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, where we talk about how spouses can get on the same page, pay down their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. Today's episode is brought to you by the free course, Five Days to 5K. Many couples I talk to know what they should be doing, right? Pay down that debt, save money for emergencies or whatever goal they have. The tricky part though is where do you find the money for those goals? Five Days to 5K is a free email-based course that helps you find, save, and earn extra money on the side so you can reach your goals faster. If you're interested, you can sign up at couplemoney.com slash 5K. I don't know about you, but buying a home was the biggest purchase we made. Right now in the United States, the median price of homes that sold is just over $225,000. For those of you living in high cost of living areas like California and DC, you're looking at closer to $350,000 to $400,000 respectively. Just considering the numbers, you can see that you really need to do your homework when it comes to buying your house. A misstep or a mistake can cost you a significant amount of money. And I don't want that to happen to you. Whenever you buy your home, I want it to feel like a blessing and not a burden. Now, we've had several episodes about house hunting, getting a mortgage, and finding the best home for you. Today, though, I wanted to get into the root of every bad decision that we make when it comes to real estate, how we approach it. I can't even count how many people had such strong opinions when we were house hunting, and not all of them were right. There were so many justifications for buying any home. You're throwing away money when you rent. Take advantage of all the tax savings. And my favorite, real estate is an investment. Now, people were saying this and they had no idea what kind of home we were looking for, what our budget was, or the neighborhoods we were investigating. That's not to say that buying a home is a mistake. It can actually be a very smart money move done right. And if you're looking at investing and are willing to put in the work, real estate can be a solid income stream. But how you approach it makes all the difference, which is why I asked Julian and Kirsten, the creators and the couple behind Rich and Regular to come on today. They're not only homeowners, but they're also real estate investors who are working towards financial independence. Their properties are a part of their plan, so I thought they would be perfect to talk about how to approach real estate wisely. In this episode, we'll discuss why they don't consider their home an investment, how they got into investing in real estate, and their strategy around real estate to reach financial independence. Let's get started. I think this is an important conversation because real estate for most couples, I know, it's the biggest purchase they make with their lives. You know, whether it's for a home 
or for a rental property, it's a significant investment in how we approach it. I, I believe it can have a tremendous effect on our net worth and whatever wealth plans we have. And you two have experience with both. So I just want to make sure you have um, a home, of course, you live in, but how many rental properties do you have? Uh, We now have two rental properties. And so we bought our first rental in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, And then and we were, and then the home that we were living in at the time, uh, we, we, over that time, we paid off that mortgage. And now that property has become our second uh, rental property. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, it's, it's all kind of new. Obviously we've been thinking about this and working towards it for uh, years now, but literally as of yesterday, the uh, second property went on the market. And so we're hoping to uh, get some good news about uh, a tenant uh, sometime soon, hopefully over the next two weeks or so. You guys have came up with this detailed multi-year plan um, and included paying off debt. You guys paid off like over six figures. Was it 200000 Did I read that correct? Yeah, it was two hundred, but that included um, <laughs> that included our primary mortgage at the time. Yeah, yes, it is. And then you guys, of course, paying off debt is a big accomplishment. But then you're moving forward with generating that income, building that wealth. When did real estate start getting into the picture? Was that something you guys always wanted to do, or did you have to ease into that? Uh, it's interesting. It actually started with real estate. Uh, real estate came before we ever considered uh, financial independence. It, it it kind of started before fire and all of those things. It started with really just wanting to uh, build wealth and realizing that if we were going to be completely reliant on our jobs, then the likelihood of us building the sort of wealth that we wanted uh, was pretty slim because we did not have the degree of control over our earnings as we thought we would. Sure, you could you know, work hard and, and, and hope to get a raise and hope to be promoted over time, but it just seemed that when you kind of grab the bull by the horns and invest in things like real estate or do any of these other uh, activities, that's where you really get a greater sense of control or your ability to gain wealth. And so it actually started with real estate and started with identifying different ways to uh, invest uh, or to just make more money through real estate. And then it's actually sort of, you know, opened up doors uh, about wealth building and, you know, financial independence and, and all of those other things that we talk about on our, on our website. So did either one of you have family members that were investing in real estate or is this something that you guys started on your own with your conversations? No, I, d- I don't know anyone uh, in my immediate family that had a rental property and, and same with Julian. In fact, he was the one that introduced me to that real estate investment could be available to someone at our income level, which at the time, um, I think it was around $70,000. Uh, we just didn't, we, I didn't know that that was an option for us. I thought one mortgage was was plenty. And so he started talking through the math. It, it started to make more sense to me. We all hear like real estate is investment and you can invest in real estate. But I saw an article you guys wrote about your primary residence. You don't consider that an investment in your real estate portfolio, which I completely agree with. I'd love to kind of get your explanation why you see that as different and 
how that kind of fits in with your finances? Yeah, it's uh, it's such an interesting conversation. Um, and so, you know, whenever we even think about that or, or whenever we're asked that question, we've got to kind of take a step back because we realize that we've been sort of doing this for for a while. But most people uh, that we know and, and you alluded to it, family and friends, they just sort of naturally think of it. Right. And, and I think it's because that's what they've been taught or told. I mean, whether it's on a commercial or in a bank pamphlet or whatever it is, we use this term investment so loosely. And we say that your home is an investment. It's the biggest investment you'll ever make. And I don't think people ever stop to really try to define what an investment is. And it's not to say that homes can't be an investment, but I think for most people, it, it it's just, if it is an investment, it's a really bad investment. It's an investment that takes money out of your pocket every single month. Uh, and then sometimes it takes even more because you need to repair something. And so if if I were to tell you to put your money into a bank and it was a savings account, which is a form of an investment, and it took money out of your account every single week and then, you know, every or every month and then every other couple months they asked you uh, because something came up to give in some more. And you were just in this constant cycle of money coming out of your pocket. And then when you look at this balance, it's not growing. You would say, what kind of investment is this? This isn't a great investment. Yet we do that every single day. Uh, and by we, I mean, just most people uh, that are you know, quote unquote, homeowners, we do this every single day. And so uh, that's really at its core why we don't consider our, the home that we live in, our primary residence, uh, a rental property. Now, ours is a little different because we designed the mortgage in a way to make it a bit uh, more accessible for us. Um, and by that, I mean, we offset the cost of living in our primary home through the rentals that we own. Uh, so to a degree, the home that we live in is subsidized by the rent collected from the two other homes uh, that we own. Uh, so it's a little different for us, but we know that that's not the case for most people. There is a difference when you're buying a home saying, okay, this is going to be a place we live in versus buying a rental property. And I'm curious to kind of get your strategy. How do you guys shop around or what do you look for with a rental property? Are there certain kind of um, markers they have to hit or, you know, something in the checkbox you have to check off? Yeah. Well, I think it, it depends on the, the sort of investor that you want to that you want to be. Uh, we want it to be pure, well, as purely passive investors as possible. So not to say that it won't require some work, uh, you know, but we didn't want to have to introduce this huge layer of stress uh, on top of just day-to-day living, right? We have a son, uh, you know, we, we have a job, we have a business that we're trying to run, we have our own lives. We don't want to add a bunch of stress. And so for us, uh, it was around, uh, the big thing was, well, what works for the sort of lifestyle that we want? And we were really interested in just being able to wake up and look and say, oh, more money came into our account, you know, because we bought something and that is what an investment does. Um, so that was the big thing. One, does it fit our lifestyle? The second one was location, which is kind of uh, a part of lifestyle, but for us, if we lived on the east side of town, just using that as an example, mm-hmm. we don't want to have to travel 20, 30 miles, you know, to go solve a problem or to have to, uh, you know, go check a box or make something happen. We wanted to make sure that if we bought something, um, it was 
you know, a stone's throw from where we were so that if or when something happened, we'd be able to respond pretty quickly. Um, or even if you just had a gap in tenants, you know, the time that it would take to get you from your home to, let's say, wherever else you needed to go and then make your way over to the rental. If that ends up taking a really, really long time, that just kind of makes the whole process that much more difficult. And, you know, I think we were talking before uh, the podcast, especially in a city like Atlanta, when you add that additional layer of traffic, it just, you know, makes it even worse. And so just like a simple two-hour project could turn into five hours once you factor in traffic and all of those other things. Um, so location and proximity to where we were, whether it's our house or our job or something like that, that was a big one. And then I think obviously cost was a was a, another a sort of thing that we would consider a, a little differently with a rental property than we would a primary residence. Yeah. Uh, you know, naturally, it just makes sense that uh, the uh, the amount of money that we were willing to spend uh, or could kind of scrounge up to make an investment would differ uh, than what we would for a primary residence. And secondly, the amount of money that we would be willing to set aside or to preserve for repairs, because those do come up with a rental property as well, uh, was a little different. And so uh, the approach in which we saved money to prepare for an investment was a little different than we would for our primary residence. There's so many costs that I think we gloss over when we're looking at real estate, even when we're like buying our main property, we're looking at that and we're like, oh, well, if my rent is X amount, then the mortgage is going to be X amount. You know, we forget the maintenance and sometimes you're going to have to upgrade. Is there a difference with, say, your home, like I want to upgrade the kitchen because it's like built in the 60s versus like you had a rental property? that needed an upgrade, how would you guys go about that? I think we take a much more pragmatic, functional approach to the rentals. So to Julian's point, there's, you know, no shortage of marketers and cable networks working overtime to make people very emotional emotional about renovations and flipping houses and, you know, shiplap and (laughs) shaker cabinets. Um, And that's all very cool for TV. Um, but in real life, those things all come with incremental costs that you may or may not recap, recoup with, um, with, the, with the rent. And so with our rental properties, we're a lot more um, functionally driven and making sure that any materials that we pick up can withstand wear and tear that, you know, isn't just associated with how our family may use the kitchen, but how someone who has five kids may use the kitchen or someone who has a pet may use the flooring or, you know, we just have to think about different scenarios because we're not going to be the ones living in it. And so we need to make sure that things have, you know, a lifespan that makes sense for wear and tear. Yeah. And so do you guys do it DIY or do you hire a contractor? How do you manage these like maintenance and upgrades for your properties? Yeah, I don't know if there's a term that is like anti-DIY, but like we're, we're much closer to that. I mean, you know, it goes back to what I was saying before around the sort of lifestyle that we wanted, uh, which was, you know, I'm not I'm not a Mr. Fix-It and, and neither is she. I have and can do some basic things, but 
I don't find that to be uh, enjoyable. It's not something that I, you know, am particularly good at. If I have to do it, like last week, I'll do it because, you know, I'm more interested in just getting it done. Uh, but I'm certainly not that guy. Now, I think that's a huge advantage if you are, you know, familiar with, with different tools and, and going to Home Depot is your happy place. And, hey, that's great. But um, And you can save yourself a lot of money that way. Um, but, you know, we're also fortunate to be in a market where uh, finding the labor to do these things is actually not that difficult. And that's not the same for everyone, but being in the Carolina area is, is a bit of a, a plus in that sense. Uh, and so it's not hard for us to find someone who's willing to do that work. Um, now, it introduces a different set of challenges because you've got to have a roster of um, different people who can do different things because contractors you know, it can be a little flaky from time to time because they get a better offer uh, or, you know, just they're, they're, they're trying to double up in a day and, and that timeline or slot doesn't necessarily map up with yours. Um, but again, that's the sort of investors we want it to be. I, I'd much rather make those calls and, you know, scour the internet to find a reputable contractor than I, you know, would be willing to strap on a tool belt and, you know, start learning, you know, about, different paint colors and, you know, all the different yeah, yeah. fasteners. And that's not the world that I live in. But, um, you know, again, if you can do those things and, and you like to do those things, you can actually save uh, quite a bit of money on repairs that way. I will say, though, that while DIY is a, a skill set that you can find a lot of coursework and, you know, people teaching how to do craftsmanship and, you know, build things with your hands. Managing contractors is also a skill set. And I don't find a lot of resources, especially geared at women investors, um, that teach you how to talk to, you know, a contractor, how to be explicit about the things that you want and just on the upfront and to make sure that you understand where they're sourcing their materials from because there's a lot of ways that they can drive up the costs, right? You can go buy the paint yourself um, and, you know, possibly use their discount and get one price for it. Whereas if they go get the paint, they may charge you a service fee. And, you know, there's all these other little layers that are in there. And so being able to be, to know enough to have them uh, be a little more transparent about the cost is another key thing that differentiates a primary um, home from a from an investment because you want to manage all of your costs. Otherwise, you might end up upside down on that investment. You mentioned saving for real estate, whether it's your primary residence or your investment properties. You guys are awesome with your savings rate and budget. I would want to ask you, like, what's the big wins for you? How are you guys able to save significant amounts? Because I feel like a lot of couples right now feel like they they can't even come up with the money to start exploring options like real estate investing yeah and and i can totally you know i i get that um you know it's it's it, it one you know we talk about it on our blog we are grateful uh to have earned a high income uh, and so it, it does help to have that little extra slack in there but uh, even still uh, achieving the sort of saving rate that gives you the ability to have those options is really what's key i think the the biggest thing for us was committing to stay uh, to, to live small we've been married for a little over three years now uh, and we could have moved into a new home three years ago, but we didn't. We made a conscious decision, even after our son was born, to remain in the home uh, and to renovate that home uh, early because we had 
you know, and we're, we're thinking long-term. And so I think that's really, really the big thing. I mean, obviously you, there are tons of ways as you just start going down your budget and your line items to save money. Um, but I, I don't find, you know, even if you just think about what the biggest contributor to your expenses, housing is one of them. And so if you can manage that and keep that one as low or in a small or just remove it, that's the biggest thing. And, and that's exactly what we did. So we committed to living small uh, so that even if we earned more money, which we did, um, we knew that that money could go directly to investments, that it wouldn't just get absorbed uh, into our standard cost of living. Uh, we used that to pay off our mortgage completely, which then helped increase uh, our savings rate. And then from there, it's really just a matter of identifying the sort of investments that you want to make. And for us, it was a combination of your traditional uh, investing uh, through stocks and bonds, but then also through real estate. And so that's really what enabled it. Um, but yeah, live small if you can, for as long as you can. And I'm telling you, that little uh, time period in which you do that will just continue to repay you tenfold as time goes forward. What you're saying makes so much sense. You say small, which is, you know, I guess people will associate that because you're going for a smaller mortgage, smaller, you know, um, purchase price, but really it's about giving you your options. You know, um, your home is a significant piece of your wealth, but it's only one piece, especially if your parents, you know, you want to give your kids, um, if you do daycare, the best daycare option, if you're traveling as a family, you can't do that if you tie yourselves up in this one piece, you know, this property. Exactly. And the other silver lining about living small is that it gave us a really good intuition about what works well for our family. And so when we were shopping for the next home, for the home that we live in now, we, to your point, we didn't over-index on size because we don't really need size. In this house, we upgraded natural light. It was about the windows and the house isn't too much bigger than our last house, but because it's got a more open floor plan and windows, it's a lifestyle change um, that really improved our, our family, but without you know coming with a hefty, hefty price point. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on some key takeaways I got from talking with Julian and Kirsten. The first one is understand what you want from your home and properties. Don't get carried away with the hype and the numbers that you see about whether it's a seller's or buyer's market. Make sure that this purchase makes sense for you and your long-term finances, whether it's buying a home or if you're going to be investing in properties. And that ties into the second point. To make sure that it fits you guys, make sure you are running the numbers. You want to look at this objectively. It is very easy to get caught up in all the emotions, whether you're hearing it from family, friends, you know, your workmates, they might have great intentions, but does this make sense for you guys financially? Make sure you have the numbers in front of you. Also, when you're purchasing a house, the bank may approve you for a certain amount, but you have to do it yourself and make sure that it makes sense that you're buying this house, but you're also reaching your other financial goals. And then finally, figure out what's your strategy before you start investing in real estate. Yes, it can produce that income stream that you're looking for and perhaps get you on the path to financial independence, but it's not going to happen just because you brought the property. You have to make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Find a financial mentor, someone in the industry that you feel comfortable with so you can ask questions and see what's going on. 
So those are a few of my takeaways. I'd love to hear from you. What are you going to use from today's episode? Please let us know in our free Facebook group called Thriving Families. I'd love to get your take, tips, and stories. Hope to see you there. Special thanks to Julian and Kirsten for being a part of the show. To find out more about their journey towards financial independence, please check them out at Rich and Regular. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to connect with them along with some of my favorite posts from them. I'll also have resources we talked about during our chat, including our free money toolkit. Please check them out. I try to include tools and apps that have made a huge difference with us and other couples. Managing money does not have to be difficult, but it does have to be intentional. Next week, we're going to talk about that some more, aligning your finances with your goals and priorities. We're going to knock out some more money myths and misconceptions that are holding people back. Like, how do you get out of debt or stay debt-free while still having nice stuff? How can parents help their kids to financially prepare for the real world? And how can you make giving a natural part of your finances and lives? Money author and speaker Anthony O'Neill shares his take and story So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're on that app. And if you want to share this show with your friends, I would be so grateful. I want to make talking about money less stressful and more a natural part of our conversations as couples. Our theme song was performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosier. I appreciate your support. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.